Hello, I'm Nicholas Scheib. Welcome to the Epri Current Podcast. I'm really excited to have on Epri VP of Corporate Affairs, Katie Hariza. She comes from an extensive background throughout the energy industry and should be fascinating to talk to. Today, we will be discussing Epri's mission in the modern energy age, as well as how Epri is working internationally to deliver on its mission of a clean energy future that is affordable, reliable, and equitable. Let's jump right in. My guest today is Katie Hariza, Vice President of Corporate Affairs at EPRI. In addition to leading our external engagement at EPRI, she is a significant voice in the energy industry, highlighting the important work we're doing at EPRI and beyond with audiences around the globe. Katie, before we get down to business, you have an interesting background. Can you talk about the time you spent working in the energy space and how that brought you to EPRI? Sure, yeah. Thanks for having me here, Nick. So my energy journey started from the very beginning, right out of school. I took a job as a sales engineer where I used arc energy to weld metals and join them together. And then I spent some time working to keep the metals from falling apart as a water chemistry engineer. Then I moved to the state where I helped with regulations, where energy efficiency was central to helping with water reductions in the state of Maryland. From there, I went to the federal space. And I supported R&D to keep the electric grid reliable and working on early stage technologies. Then I did a little bit of a stint with the Edison Electric Institute where I was trying to figure out, you know, what is this policy thing that engineers are like not so savvy about, I would say. But it was a great learning experience for me. And it brought me to the Department of Energy where I got to work and learn firsthand just how hard it is to build the infrastructure that we need because transmission permitting and the states that um, need to enable it um, all have to work together. And then from there, when EPRI called and said, hey, we would like you to work with us in a space where technology becomes reality. I mean, EPRI is right at the center of tech transfer, scale and adoption. And so I'm so excited to be where the technologies are used on a daily basis and really make um, society better for all of us. That's a very extensive background. Very impressive. Um, One of the things I've noticed in my time at EPRI is how passionate people are about their work and everything they're doing and its benefit to society. So why is the benefit to society the basis for EPRI's existence? How does EPRI benefit society? More than 50 years ago, a major blackout occurred. And regulators and industry came together, recognizing the importance of how collaboration could help us uh, prevent future blackouts. And while we haven't been able to eliminate all of that, it's a never-ending process. What we do is we work together to look at what society needs, the changes that are happening, and what we can we do to advance the safety, the reliability, and affordability of electricity. and because society is becoming increasingly reliant upon electricity, I feel that our mission is more important than it ever has been before. Absolutely. So this past year, EPRI celebrated its 50th anniversary, obviously a huge milestone for any organization, but specifically for EPRI. Can you tell me a little bit about what EPRI turning 50 means to you and the Institute's impact on society? Sure. I really love to think about EPRI as a lever and not just any lever. It's like this giant catapult. Evolution can happen on its own, but transformation needs mass collaboration. 
And that's what EPRI can do. We make those connections through our massive networks of scientists and academics and engineers. And how can we solve the problems of today while keeping an eye on the future? And so we've gone from helping more than 400 nuclear plants in 30 countries to cleaning up coal emissions, but not just doing the reductions in waste, but also looking at repurposing them as well. So we've enabled transformation for decades and just wait and see to what comes next. I like that. Wait and see what comes next. So an important part of EPRI's mission is global collaboration. The organization has reached 45 countries in 50 years. Um, you recently attended COP27, kind of the ultimate global collaboration space within the energy industry. So what was that like? What was your experience? It was so intense and so energizing. I think being among so many people who are enthusiastic about changing the world and making it a better place and looking at how we can work together. So this COP was getting beyond negotiations and really focusing on action. And action is what EPRI is all about. We've been doing it for decades. And so what we look at and what we try to emphasize is optionality is not optional. And what we mean by that is every region, every energy company, every community has different resources, capabilities, and industrial needs. There needs to be some flexibility for them to be able to work together to meet the needs that are uniquely around their situation. And so when we were there at COP, um, we looked at the future, which is Low Carbon Resources Initiative. That was a hot topic. Another hot topic is our Climate Ready, which is Resilience RE, Adaptation AD, little i for initiative. And resilience, we're focusing on that today because we've made a lot of progress on decarbonization, but equally as important is making sure that the system stays resilient as we make that transformation. And then the third topic that was super hot this year because there's been this massive shift in the acceptance of nuclear. So nuclear was something that was pretty prevalent this year, which it was kind of absent the last year. It was sort of there, but it wasn't talked about and had and included on the big stage. Great. So obviously you mentioned climate ready, um, extreme weather, grid reliability as themes that you observed. Um, how does this contribute to EPRI's mission? Obviously, we know that extreme weather events are becoming more common and we must adjust. But how do you think this fits into EPRI's mission and the future of EPRI? So when it comes to climate risk and resilience, it goes way beyond just the power system. It affects the energy companies and making sure that the power stays on and restored quickly. But it also gets to the communities and the industries in the area. So um, when you think about resilience, it, you need a lot more collaboration. It needs to be more regional. So there's regional. So there's much more collaboration that is needed. We need to understand how we go about assessing risk. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to come up with a consistent, repeatable, and defensible risk assessment methodology, something that we can work with that's flexible enough for the uniqueness of a situation, but also something that we can all understand. So when we can understand each other, we can help to deploy technologies and advance progress much faster than we ever did before. Something else you touched on was EPRI's Low Carbon Resources Initiative, LCRI. Could you elaborate a little bit more on 
what that means and um, what it means for the future of EPRI that we have something so significant? Sure. So as I mentioned, we look towards the future. And what we know is that getting to some of the goals for 2030, many of those technologies exist. But there are industries that are going to be super hard to electrify and probably we're just not able to do that. Industries like steel, cement, chemicals. And so what can we do to help them to decarbonize? So hydrogen is a big part of the Low Carbon Resources Initiative. And there are other types of um, alternative low carbon resources that we're looking at. But what can we do today? Because it takes decades in order to understand what are the technologies that are viable? What are their limits? How can we pilot them so that we can prove that they are viable? And what can they do to operate in the future and meet the needs of future society? So this research is a very collaborative. We've got many, many organizations across the value chain from energy consultants to energy companies, joint electric and natural gas um, organizations. We also have affiliates from government, academia, and national labs that are involved. And so working with, um, in in this um, capacity, it really helps us to study the full breadth of what's possible So again, I mentioned optionality. This is going to allow us to have more options to have a cost-effective, reliable, affordable future. That's great. I love how you talked about how Low Carbon Resources Initiative touches on so many different aspects of the industry and throughout academia and such. Um, So kind of building off that, in addition to being on the world stage, you interact on a regular basis with regulators and lawmakers in Washington, D.C., D.C., why is it important for EPRI to be engaged in this way? And what is the significance that uh, we've seen so far from, from that work? It's incredibly important. It's one thing to invent technology, but someone has to prove that we can use it. And so how I look at it is the U.S. is a country of law. So we follow the rule of law and legislators create the goals within the laws for, that basically set the targets in which we, we seek to achieve. And then regulators set the boundaries. And energy companies are the ones who deploy the technologies to achieve those goals. So if they're all not talking together and all well-informed, it can create a bit of chaos and it can stall our progress. So EPRI has a very important role being an objective science institute in informing these conversations so that we can make the progress that we need. The problems are hard, the scale is large, and we've got to move quickly. And so that's what we're trying to do, is help inform the conversation so that we can set the goals and the regulations in a way that's feasible and workable for the future. Absolutely. And obviously, the past year, we've seen a lot of changes within the industry, whether that's geopolitical or new funding from the U.S. and beyond. How have these changes impacted the clean energy transition and EPRI's mission, specifically new legislation from the U.S. and such? This legislation, it really, when I think of the conversations that we had in Glasgow from the previous COP and this year, it really shifted the perception of the U.S. from, oh, yeah, you're back, but do you really mean it? And by putting the money, huge investment into it, that really said the U.S. is committed. And so there was a, an attitude change. 
And then with Epri being there and the other energy companies that we, we work with, we were able to talk about how we're putting investments into action and actually how those investments have resulted in real results over the past, over decades, really. We've managed to make those reductions already and we're going to continue to build on the solid foundations of energy efficiency, clean energy generation, and working on uh, pushing more electrification, beneficial electrification across different sectors. And so I'm excited to see how this is going to continue to to grow in momentum. And um, we'll see what the the legislation, um, what the true impacts are. But I do think that um, there's certainly a lot of momentum um, and action going around. And I think it did spark some um, excitement around progress. I've definitely noticed a lot of excitement at EPRI around and beyond about all this new funding and investment and support. Um, so you often mention tools in the toolbox. We often talk about the need for collaboration, optionality, approach to the clean energy transition, you know, having all tools available to us and using them when it makes sense. EPRI focuses on many pathways to, to a clean energy future. We have power delivery utilization, generation, nuclear. Um, why is an important element of EPRI is our R&D? Why is that so important to us? And how does that motivate us? Well, I think it comes from understanding that the energy, it, um, the energy system is one of the most complicated, largest machines ever invented. I think the National Academies had you know, declared it as the, the, the largest, most complicated ever uh, years ago. And it's so true. It's it, it, You just can't flip on a switch and hope the lights turn on. There's just so much more that goes into it. And so we have to think about uh, the variability of the resources in a region, the types of demand, like what are the industries that are there? What kind of communities? Um, how do they use the electricity? So really trying to match up the demand to the resources that are there it is really, really variable. It is not the same. One size does not fit all when it comes to energy. Energy and how it's produced, delivered, and used, it, it's just very variable. And so we have to allow that flexibility in order to ensure that the communities can use what is available to them. They don't have to be forced into doing something that isn't in their best interest. And then also looking at their neighboring communities because they have to interact as well because it they do affect each other. So those are things that we are looking at in terms of resource adequacy, not just the community, but also what's happening in the regions and then how those regions interplay with each other as well. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I have every founder, Chauncey Starr, once said, you can't focus on R&D without considering the impact on society. And that remains at the heart of what EPRI does. Um, how does EPRI keep the focus on the communities? Obviously, communities around the world are diverse, diverse landscapes, societies, economic considerations. How does EPRI keep the focus on those communities when doing large-scale work? Well, I think because we all remember that we're all customers of electricity. So we use it ourselves. And then we also have a governance structure that has um, independently appointed regulators that help to advise us. They're our reality check. And on this advisory council that we have, we also have academics, 
financiers, investors, um, consultants that are from around the world that can help us stay focused. So one is we remember who we are and who we serve. And then we have guidance that can help us uh, stay the course. I noticed at COP, you had a video that you posted on LinkedIn. And if you haven't followed Katie yet on LinkedIn, you definitely should. Uh, and we noticed that there was a video and you were engaging with the community. Can you talk about um, some of that engagement that occurred at COP and how that was at the forefront? Oh, yeah. I was really inspired because I think that the youth of today are really what we're... You know, they're the ones who are going to take up the torch. They're the ones who are very passionate, just like we are. But I think they have an even greater passion. And so working with... Um, uh, you know, we, we, we work with Incubate Energy, which is uh, venture um, new startups, which tend to, you know, tap into that young energy that's out there, but also inspiring the students as well. So you can never start too early in getting involved in energy. And so um, we do um, things like with Grid Ed that helps with educating um, uh, the, like the, the people who are going to operate the grid, what can we do to help those technologists um, learn about the new technologies that are coming and how they can um, stay current with what needs to be done to keep the grid reliable and resilient. Obviously, you come from an engineering background, a very extensive one. Uh, what R&D conversations have you most excited right now? Gosh, there's so many. I'd say that the... Industrial clusters are very exciting because to me, it just makes it more real. A lot of our science is exciting, but here we're looking at the communities. We're looking at a region and we're looking at the various types of industries that can share resources, collaborate together, um, see what they can do so that together they can um, decarbonize, but also um, do it in an the most effective and efficient way that they possibly can. So these industrial clusters, um, we're working with the World Economic Forum and Accenture, and um, we announced it last year, and we're already up to 17 as of now. So it's amazing what we can do in a year. And I think the, the total target is to get 100 underway. And so it's, it's really going to make um, all these technologies a reality and hopefully all these, and I expect that these communities will greatly benefit because that's what we really want to do. We want to make sure that everyone benefits from this transition. It can't be just certain um, demographics that get the benefit. We want everyone to benefit. I love how you touched on industrial clusters. I was hoping you'd talk about that at some point. So happy that came up. Uh, that was announced at COP26 last year. So... As we close out the pod, as you look at EPRI's mission in 2023, what are you most hopeful about? What gets you most excited? So I'm hopeful that energy is going to remain a very important part of all of our lives. It's, it's really created civilization and advanced us and brought so many things. It's not just convenience, but comfort. And it's also doing a lot of things that can make us um, just better citizens. And that's what I look forward to is that um, the people around the world can really tap into what's possible with energy. I mean, it's, you know, we had announcements about fusion 
some breakthroughs on that. Like who knows what that's going to bring. So I know that's far off into the future, but what we're seeing now today in terms of artificial intelligence, a virtual reality, I mean, these things, they, they're, we're using them. There's so much to be excited about. It's hard to pick just one. Katie, thank you for your time today. If you would like to learn more about EPRI, our research and our mission, visit EPRI.com. Thank you for joining us as together we shape the future of energy. If you like today's show, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast and feel free to share the podcast with your colleagues and friends. For more information about EPRI, please visit our website at www.epri.com. And don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at EPRI News. Together, we are shaping the future of energy. 